Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line. Hi, this is Deborah Butler, and thanks for joining me for my podcast, People Know Stuff. Today, I have Sandra Wolf with me. Sandra knows stuff about living in intentional community. And Sandra has about 23 years of experience with intentional community. And she made a move in that direction in 2000. And I've asked her to bring what she knows to this conversation. And I've warned her that this is a 20-minute conversation. And she's got so much experience that this might be hard to achieve. And so... I am, and I know it might be hard for me to stop her at 20 minutes, but um, Sandra is going to talk some really just about what intentional community is and what are some of the advantages, what are the challenges, what does it really take to live in intentional community? So Sandra, I'm glad you're here. Okay. Well, thanks for the opportunity to talk about this and to think about it more deeply. I've been living in it for so long. It's the water I swim in. Um, but it's always an invitation to uh, to gratitude to uh, think about what I've gotten from living in community. Absolutely. Have. Yeah. And in different types of communities, different uh, experiences with different communities. Right. So uh, I think uh, I've lived in a spiritual intentional community. Um and remember that as some of the best years of my life because everything was taken care of in one place. It was my work. It was my uh, my spiritual home. It was my community. It was my place for celebration um, and marking uh, important events. Uh, it, and, and there was very clear intention and shared practices um, and shared understanding because those are the things that sort of weave people together in community um and and without those there's a lot of different like shared living situations where people may live in an apartment or they may live you know in a uh, uh where everybody's got their own like a co-housing situation where everybody's got their own unit but there's uh there's some uh shared activities or communal spaces that they share so it can have um you know take a lot of different forms um where i live in berkeley um, just within, say, a two-mile radius, I would say there are probably eight to ten different um, groups you could describe as intentional community. Um, and one of the things that I felt like you were saying is an intentional community is contrasted with community living because there is that organizing force of we have the same intention and it's real obvious when it's a spiritual community that the intention is to grow spiritually what about um where you are now because i know you are in an intentional community but it isn't unified through spiritual intention as i understand it right right um and, and there's actually research that suggests that the communities that tend to stay together are the ones who have a clear intention. 
it doesn't have to be something fancy. It doesn't have to be something exclusive in a way. Um, this community that I'm in has been here for 30 years and two of the original members still live here. So we have the advantage of them holding the history and holding the intention of the space as uh, as affordable community housing. And so the intention for where you live now is in a very expensive place. The intention is affordable housing. Yes. And the it's odd to say that the intention of the community is community. Um, but that's very clearly expressed and very clearly a part of, um, of how this was formed. And, um, and let me just kind of give you an example. There's plenty of places, because it's an expensive place to live, where people will get a house together. And I've lived in one of these situations where someone has a house and they rent out room, but there's no uh, coming together. There's no um, shared interests. There's no uh, shared agreements. Um, so it ends up being actually feeling a lot more isolating and alienating. Whereas in the community I live in through here, we every Tuesday night, this is part of the agreement for living here. We meet to have dinner together. Um, we cook for each other at least once, uh, one night a week, and we sit down around a table together and we talk. And then we have a meeting where we deal with either issues around the house or celebrating a holiday or birthdays or things like that. So it may be celebration, watching a movie together, playing games, but often it's like we got some repairs we need to do or you know, what are, uh, you know, there are always issues if you're living in a large old house. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, when are we going to replace the kitchen countertops and uh, who's in charge of that? So all of those things about daily living are decisions that we share. And one of the so other in the, in the arrangement you're in currently, there's no, you're not building equity in the house. Right. You are building social equity, if you will. Because there is that investment every single week in being together yeah. and being together so that you remain um, cohesive and so that you remain current with kind of the household operation. Yeah, the household concerns. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because there really is a social equity. There's everybody has their chores that they do. And there is a sensitivity and awareness and everybody contributes beyond their chores. So it's like, you know, it, and I've had this conversation with one of my housemates. Uh, it's like, you know, right now you're asking a lot, but you're not contributing a lot. And, you know, you need to look at your your social account, you know, bank account here, your your social balance. It's this is why you're getting resistance from people. Um is the governance very um, clearly stated when someone new comes in? Or are they met with, you know, a, a formal set of rules about how we live here? Uh, yeah, we do have agreements and those are really important. Um, and I think part of the reason, and, and I, I have, I've gotten called on multiple times to go mediate disputes at other communities because our community has a reputation for being really stable, really long lived, and then we get along well together. And there are things that make community work really well. Communication, um, we work by consensus, um, decision making, and um, that's what happens in the meetings. That can just 
drive you crazy because it takes a long time to get anything done Um, or it can. Uh, Sometimes it can go faster, but that's been one of the big learning curves for me is like, how do I work with other people? How do we get everyone's voice heard? Um, One thing that I have uh, discovered time and time again is everyone's input matters. And I, and usually there's a desire to uh, just let, let's get to the answer and to sideline people who have concerns or uh, or anxieties or you know things that they're they're worried about to try to you know, sort of downplay that. And what I found works best is just the opposite. It's like okay, we're talking about putting solar panels on the house. What, who's, who's got concerns? What are you worried about? What fears do you have? If you get that out and on the table, you're going to see things that you would not have thought of, anticipate things you wouldn't have thought of. And that's where the real energy starts to flow around finding um, an agreement that everyone can, can be happy about, not just live with. Well, you know, one of the things I'm thinking as you're talking is, that it really challenges that kind of, you know, who cares? Um, mm-hmm. You have to care. Yeah. It, it really challenges an instinct for wanting to withdraw and just say, Oh, I'm, I'm, I don't, that's on you. Mm-hmm. You do you, I'll do me. And, you know, so what, are, what are the, and that's costly. It's costly emotionally. It's costly. Like you said, time wise, what are the um, payoffs for that? Well, the, the one another realization, especially in doing consensus living, is people have different degrees of investment in everything. And some people may not show a lot of initial investment, but when it gets down to like, we're actually going to pull the, you know, we're going to implement this thing, then they suddenly get interested. Then it's like, oh, wait, this is really going to happen. I, I better start thinking about what... So again, this is part of like figuring out how to work with other people. In some ways, um, I use the analogy of like a rock tumbler. It's like we we are you know we keep banging our edges together until we get nice and smooth. And um, so it sounds like maybe one of the payoffs to being in the rock tumbler is that it smooths you out and creates more compassion, if you will, and more investment in where you live. So unlike just you know, sharing expenses with others. This is truly sharing um, personal development or sharing. Yeah, I think that's intentions. One, one of the things that makes a big difference in community is is communication and having. Uh, you know, that's not a surprise, but we've got multi ways of communicating. And it shifted. We used to have a logbook in the kitchen where you wrote down everything. Someone left a burner on the stove. Somebody, you know, I saw something suspicious happening in the neighborhood. That was how we shared. Now it's text messages, endless text messages sometimes. Um, but it's uh, it's a different awareness. You can't just think about what you want to do. You have to think about how what you want to do is going to impact other people. Um, and you know, really, it's you really give up your own individual, um, you know, I'll do me and you do you, you you give up your right to just blow people off. And yeah, and you give up some of your autonomy, for sure. Yes. 
And to me, that's one of the most important gifts about it. I think we are embedded in a larger culture that glorifies independence and individuality and uh, autonomy. And living in community really makes you check that a little bit and get back to more of what does it mean to really think about how your choices interact other people. Um, Another way that I've often, you know, approached uh, conflicts is um, in this situation, if it was just you, what choice would you make that would just make this situation work out best for you? And you let people answer that question. And then you say, now what decision do you think would be best for the community as a whole? And, you know, people give a different different decision because it's it's two different mindsets. Well, I guess, you know, there's a very real piece of um, selection that goes into who is invited to step into um, openings that occur in the community. Yeah. How, how do you do that? I mean, you've got to interview people. You've got to make sure that they're capable of shifting from what do I want to do and that's best yeah. for me and and an ability to think, well, what is best for the community? Mm-hmm. And that is part of what we try to interview for. And there's no interview process. It's going to be perfect. But having our clarity, it's a little bit like dating. You know, you want to know what your yeah. absolute non-starters are. Right. Like if someone's a smoker, this is not the house for them. You know, if they've got an uncontrolled drug or alcohol problem, this is not the place for them. If they can't commit to cooking and being at the Tuesday meetings, this is not the place for them. Um, So they're they're sort of the non-starters. Then from there, there's a whole other area about just what are our values? Our values around celebrating certain holidays together in certain ways. We have values around... um, you know, you do your chores, you not just you pay your rent, but you're going to show up and you're going to, you know, be involved in the community, not just use this as a place to like, you know, change clothes, shower and go out because we're embedded in an urban environment. Now, urban versus rural communities can look very different um, because when you're living in an urban environment, there are opportunities for so many other communities to be a part of outside of where you live. And so, and they and they really do need to place a priority on that house. Yeah, or at least some priority, and mm-hmm. and it's a time commitment. Uh, I think people don't always estimate how much time we say. Okay, you need to spend. You know, of course, there's your Tuesday nights from six to nine thirty. Then there's your two or three hours worth of chores. And last weekend we had a garden work party that was half of Saturday, just getting the garden ready and repairing some things and, you know, taking care of the property. Um, So what I'm hearing is you really have to be willing to surrender some of your own um, ego desires and sublimate them to the larger group. (laughs) <laughs> going very Freudian here, Deborah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think of it that way anymore. Or I don't know if if I notice that I'm starting to feel some chafing or resentment about how much energy that I'm that the house is asking for. Um, then that's within me to like rebalance. Um, it's not like everybody has to give the same amount or is able to. Um, I've had a housemate have cancer 
and we've had people have COVID and then it's like, okay, now you have to stay in your room and we have to bring meals to you. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, just COVID was a whole thing living in. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, and on the one hand, it was kind of a good example because I was really grateful that I wasn't isolated socially. I had my housemates and I had people to talk about in terms of how do we navigate this? And it was also just a topic at every meeting and I, it was just mind numbing. Um, yeah. People, how many people live in your, um, what's the population size? Uh, seven. So we're a fairly small community compared to some, but we're, everyone has their own bedroom and we share, um, a library, um, a living room, dining room, kitchen, and a large um, uh, attic space that's used right now for sewing and crafts and people's. Uh, and then, how many bathrooms? Production. Hmm? How many bathrooms? Oh, how many bathrooms? We've got uh, a full bath upstairs and downstairs, and a laundry room with a with a bath, a half bath. Instead of people, are they assigned a? Uh, people have like their home bathrooms, so to speak. Uh, people usually stake a claim on one or the other, but uh, it's not it's not assigned. It's, it's not, not formalized. Like, yeah. Yes. And somehow it works. Yeah. Even though we're all women right now, we haven't always been. But um, but back to that question about how much time do you take to get to know people? And um, the other thing that's really interesting is like the what changes when you bring new people in? Like everybody brings in something new. Um, our latest member is an artist. Yeah. So there's, and yeah, every, so it keeps changing and challenging. Yeah. So it challenges you to keep remaining agile and, uh, and able to kind of keep adjusting to others. And yeah. Yeah. It it invites you to discover new things Mm because everybody's community, they're connecting into your community. So yeah. What's the um, what's the commitment that your community asked for? One year, six months, kind of? It's not specific. We have a three month uh, uh, probation period. So when yeah. someone comes in, we found that that three months or so is a pretty good idea. If they're going to have a you know a, a breakdown, they're usually going to have it in the first three months. Yeah, because <laughs> we've had to ask people who weren't able to to function you know, to leave, they get Mm -hmm. here, they look great on paper, they seem lovely, and then they crash, and they can't, you know, show up for the meetings or do their part. And yeah, uh, align with the intention. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we could spend more time discussing it. And I feel like you've given us an overview. And I guess the thing I'm really hearing is, the importance of being clear about the intentions and the importance of um, having some ground rules and how critical it is to um, recognize that an intentional community that is um, well designed as far as knowing its intentions is also going to be a place where you have real opportunities to get bigger than yourself. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the formula I'd say is like clear intentions, very clear agreements, um, and uh, and good connection, like opportunities for connection, um, are what help communities thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and the the benefits are just enormous. There's always somebody there who can help. Yeah, oh, that's a, a ride point, to the yeah. airport, or feeding your cat while you're away, or um, just to ask you how your day was. Yeah, yeah. Um, or to say, hey, I just cooked this. This is one of my favorites. Oh, I just cooked this. Would you like some? Oh, yeah. hell yeah! I hate cooking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. um, well, the gift. The gifts of it. It's hard for people who haven't lived it to know the juicy bits. Mm-hmm. It's easier to see the like, oh, what I'd have to give up. Right. Right. But the reason that I've been here as long as I have is that it keeps making me grow and and my heart gets bigger, my capacity to appreciate and and enjoy different people. Not yeah. just yeah, <laughs> a lot better. Yeah, that's a great note to end on. Um, it isn't just that it's a place that you are um, smoothed out. It's also a place where it just brings you a lot of cool gifts. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was really instructive and really thoughtful. And uh, I really appreciate it, Sandra. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity, Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line.